Let's pray again. Father, we, uh, Hosanna means save us. And that is our cry tonight, but it's not a cry of hoping that you will save us, but it's a cry reminding us that you have saved us through Jesus. And uh, Father, it is it's so appropriate that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, people were saying, Hosanna in the highest, and they were praying for and praising him to ride in to overthrow the government and to be the Messiah that they wanted him to be. And Father, a week later they were disappointed because they thought their hopes were dashed because he did not fulfill their idea of who the Messiah was supposed to be. How appropriate is it that their cries were actually answered? Their cries to save us were actually answered, but in a different way than what they expected. Father, as we're here tonight, we may have come here with expectations ourselves as to who you are, to what church is all about. Now is our opportunity to be changed by the power of your presence, that you would make our expectations line up with your truth. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What a blessing it is to celebrate new life, to celebrate the gospel, to celebrate um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every Sunday should be this fantastic as we gather in churches all over the world on the Lord's Day and remember what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus. Today is special for us in the local flavor because we're, again, celebrating our second anniversary. We had a baptisms or two baptisms today. What an exciting time it is to be here at Connection Church. Today we're going to start a new sermon series, and we're going to go through the entire book of Isaiah. But don't worry, not today. We're not going to go through all 66 chapters today. We are going to do five, but don't worry again, because I'm going to give you the big picture of it. We're not going to go verse by verse, even though I promise I did read all of the verses in preparation for today. We're going to look, and we're going to see that in the beginning of this prophet, prophetic book, the prophet Isaiah writes, we see God calling his people to make a choice. And there are simply two choices that Isaiah sees for us. Number one is we can be rebellious, and we can rebel against God. Or number two, we can be a servant of God. So that's what today's question is. is: Are we going to live a life of rebellion and be a rebel? Or are we going to be a servant? Ironically, this morning, there was a Facebook post by Pastor Larry. He pointed out his son, Micah, had decided he was going to wear his shoes today the way he wanted to. So he wore his two favorite shoes at the same time. His Batman and what? The other shoe? A tennis shoe and his Batman shoes. So he took a picture of them and he wrote, hashtag rebel, hashtag Micah man. I thought, how appropriate. Micah really needs to hear this sermon. You know, but, you know, sometimes it's good to be a rebel. You know, you do things out of the ordinary. You challenge the status quo. Certainly, Jesus was thought to be rebellious in, in his ministry. So the, there, aren't, there are times when being a rebel is good. But what we're talking about today is rebellion against God Almighty which in no way and in no purpose is ever good. Isaiah is 66 chapters, and the main theme as we go through this book is going to be servanthood. That's going to be the overarching theme as we go through these next 12 weeks, servanthood. So I'm kind of tipping you off as to which one you should choose, either to be a rebel or a servant. We just sang the song Hosanna. Isaiah, the name of Isaiah means 
Yahweh saves. Hosanna means save us. The name of Isaiah means Yahweh saves. Yahweh is the name for God. God saves. I want us to start out in Isaiah chapter 1 and read a few verses here and get a taste of what Isaiah is saying to us and, and leading them on a journey to understand. And also we can hopefully take what was written then and bridge the gap from then and now and figure out how to apply this to our lives today. Isaiah chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 2 and read a few verses. He says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel, which is God's people, Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Now doesn't that make you smile? What a feel-good message to start off in for this series. Before we go further, because Isaiah does really lay the hammer down on the people of God in in magnificently strong ways, it's important for us to understand where God is coming from in this. He's not coming from this distant place where He's ticked off and He's ready to smite us. He's coming from this place of love and affection. God values and He loves human beings And human beings are important because God chooses to make us reflections of His glory. God chooses to make us reflections of His glory and to share in His holy character with Him. God has designed us and created us to be holy. The story of creation clearly expresses that humans are the crown of God's creation. He finds great pleasure in us. Sin is where rebellion comes in. It is a rebellion against God. In in chapter 2 it says, The children I have reared and brought up, and they have rebelled against me. That's what sin is. It's an expression of human pride. We don't need God anymore. Who does He think He is? I will be my own authority. We desire to be independent from God. That is the heart. That pride is at the heart of every, every manifestation of sin. Isaiah, in the next couple of chapters, or in the next verse that we read, he says, He is astonished at the foolishness, even it would be more appropriate for me to say the stupidity of Israel's rebellion against God. And he, he points this out by making something that we might read and think, Oh, that's nice, but this was a powerful statement when he says, The ox and the donkey know their owners. Because these are two animals that were not known for their intelligence. They were known to be dumb animals. And so he's pointing out, look, even the ox and the donkey, even they know who their master is. But Israel, you don't even acknowledge, you don't even know your creator. The word when he uses for know here is a word that is is representing and and implying and, and pointing toward, it's more than implying, but it's pointing toward a covenant that God has with people. A covenant is something that is 
becoming less aware in our culture, I think, of what this looks like, especially when it comes to marriage. Marriage was established by God in this covenant that was not to be broken, but in our culture, it's become very easy for people to say, you know what, I made a bad decision, so we're going to call it quits while we can, and we're going to move on. And so to maybe help us understand more where marriage should be, I'll speak to us and help us to see what a covenant is on a different level that I think would help all of us grasp. How horrible would it be for me to stand before you and say, you know what, guys, this being a dad stuff has been really tough. And, uh, I mean, my kids, I thought they would, it would be easy, but it's just not what I thought it would be. So I'm going to leave and just leave them, you know, just check out, and I'm going to just desert them. And uh, good luck, Carrie, raising them. Uh, but I'm going to check out for a while or probably permanently let someone else step in there, and maybe they can do a better job. That's foolishness. Unfortunately, people do that. But I think all of society sees that, no, you don't abandon your children. You don't abandon them when life gets tough. You stick with them. You take care of that child. You love them through these hard things. No matter what they do, no matter what they grow up to be, there is this covenant, this bond between a a parent and a child that should never be broken. We should be there for them. Even in the midst of what their rebellion is or what we perceive to be their rebellion, we should remain constant with them. This is what a covenant is. God has made a covenant with humanity. But a lot of us reject that covenant. He has created us. God has raised us. And in fact, it is by His grace that we are even breathing right now. He is sustaining us. And God will never quit. God will never quit on us. However, we can choose to rebel And God will allow us to go away from Him. Which is what happened with Israel. Israel had forgotten their Creator. They had forgotten and forsaken their covenant with God that God had made with them. They had forgotten that He was the one who delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And they chose to go their own way and trust in their own works. And unfortunately, we see in the, uh, the following verses that their own works led to fundamental disaster. Look with me in chapter 1, verses 5 and following. This is right after we left off in in Isaiah saying, why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, which is the bottom, even to the head, there is no soundness in it. There are bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with uh, with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners, and the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So we see how their abandonment of God and their covenant led them along a path of destruction. And all of this disease and all this death and all of these terrible things were happening to them because it was a natural consequence 
of abandoning God. Sometimes we think, why does God allow so many things to happen? Well, a lot of times, it's because we are choosing that course of path. It would be foolish of me to get into a car and to drive 100 miles an hour. I think I heard Tim Keller say this in a video I watched earlier this week. And drive 100 miles an hour into a concrete wall and expect there to be no consequence. There's going to be a consequence for that. And so in the same way, when we choose to go outside of what God has designed us to live as, there will be consequence. But it's also good for us to understand this too. That God hasn't forsaken us even when we forsake Him. Look with me in chapter 1 again, and we're going to skip to verse 16. We're going to see that God longs, He desires for His people to humble themselves. And He wants us to be cleaned unto new life. He says in verse 16, Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. My eyes. Cease or stop to do evil. Learn to do good. I want you to seek justice. Correct oppression. This should make all of us say amen. That we should all be seeking justice for everyone. We should seek to correct oppression. We would want to see justice to the fatherless, to the orphans. We should want to see the widow's cause. We should want to see the widow taken care of. Plead the widow's cause. In verse 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, though this is the way they are, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In verse 18, when he says, let us reason together, it means let us, let's argue it out together. And it doesn't mean, hey, let's have a, a, a debate right now and see who's right, me or you. But this is a way of God saying to them, I want you to look at the wisdom of these two choices. Let's reason together. Choice number one, if you rebel, there will be destruction. Think about the wisdom of this. But if you will submit and if you will uh, come under me and and, and and be a servant of God, then you will be blessed. If you will obey my commands, if you will understand that any command that I have is for your good and obey me, then you will be blessed for it. And so he's talking about servanthood here. And he talks about it being, uh, it, servanthood leads us to being exalted. When we humble ourselves, it actually leads us to one day being exalted because we're on the foundation of God's grace. And servanthood allows to get in line with God's blessing and His design and His power in our life. But he points out so clearly that this rebellion, it will lead to death and it will lead to misery. Because, check this out, you're going to be fighting against the one true living God. In our rebellion, our resistance is against the only true one that has the power the only one who has the power to create, the only one who has the power to regenerate our heart. And he's saying that because of this rebellion, we are all in need of redemption. Redemption. A beautiful word. We see a picture of that redemption tonight where baptism is a burying of the old self. The old self is dead. So Sal, you can't, 
you know, get mad now and say, that's just the old Sal coming out, because the old Sal is dead. That's exciting. I mean, I died just then? Yeah, you just died. The old self died, and you're raised anew. And so now you are a, a brother in Christ, and you are a child of God. That's who we become. And so it is a regenerative process, and we are redeemed. And so this is what redemption looks like. It means we are giving up that pride of being our own person. That we are turning our backs on that. That's the part of repentance. We're acknowledging that there is one God, and He is the only ruler, and He is the only authority. And we are submitting ourselves to God's provision for our deliverance. What that means is that we are submitting ourselves and saying, there's, there's nothing that I can do in order to be right with God. And so I'm going to trust in what God has done for me through Jesus. Submitting to His provision for our deliverance. And in doing so, we become a willing servant of God. And Isaiah goes a step further than to say we are willing. He says that we should become a glad or gladly become a servant of God. In reading through this book, I encourage you, if you to keep up with it, to read through the first five chapters, and you can listen to this sermon again online. We put our sermons on there for you to listen to. But in reading this book, it's necessary for us to keep in mind that it is God who is the one who will defeat the enemies and come after us. The enemies that come after us but it is also God who will defeat the enemies that are living within us. It's not appropriate for us to view the enemies only as out there, but there is this inward rebellion within us that just wants to come out. And it's only by God's power and provision that we are able to see that conquered. In Isaiah chapter 4, we get a glimpse of this. Chapter 4, verse 2. He says, in that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called, what's that word? Holy. Say that with me. Holy. He who is there will be, remain will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away, so we see the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters. We see Him being the one doing it. The daughters of Zion. And cleanse the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create. Again, we see Him doing the work. We see the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. I had you repeat that word holy because I want you to remember this, that redemption means that we are delivered from the guilt of our past sins. Freed. It's washed away. It's another picture of baptism gives us. You come up, and you're clean. God has immersed you in His grace and you come up clean. It's washed away. You're as pure as snow. A fresh start. But it doesn't stop there. Redemption also means that we share in the holiness of God's character. And we become holy. Now remember, you've got to stay balanced here. It doesn't mean everything you do is going to be holy from this point forward because we still make mistakes. 
but we share in His character. The life of a Christian is a continual repentant lifestyle. I shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry, God and Father. And if we said that to someone, if I, Johnny, I'm sorry I said that to you. I lost my temper. Will you please forgive me? That's a Christian life. God relieves us from the past guilt, but He empowers us to live in a new way as a new creation of God. We're given a new heart. We're given a new perspective on life. We're given a new power by God's Holy Spirit living within us. And God gives us a new commandment. You want to see that commandment? Look with me in John chapter 13. It'll be on the screen if you can't get there. Jesus is talking to His disciples. This is one of the last things He says, uh, said during His lifetime on earth. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So He's saying, the same way that I've been loving you, I want you to love one another. And he says in verse 35, by this, by you loving one another the way I have loved you, all people, say all people. You did really good on that one. All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The biggest way for people to feel God and to see God's presence is for us to be loving one another. To see something to see a group of people who are different in so many ways, but there is one binding cause and one reason why we are here, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the fact that we can declare there is nothing good that I have done on my own, but look at what God has done, and I want Him to find or to get all the glory from my life. And so I'm going to love you. And so a rebel looks at other people, and they figure out, okay, how can I use them to fulfill my selfish desires? What can I do to get something from them? But a servant doesn't look at people that way. A servant looks at people and he seeks to love them. Because that's the way Jesus has loved this servant. It's humbling ourselves. It's serving one another. It's building one another up instead of tearing each other down. And it's glorifying God in everything because you start to... Enable you start to have community like that where you're loving one another, people are going to notice and going to praise it. And it might be tempting to say, you know what, yeah, we are pretty good people. Pat ourselves on the back. We're doing a good job. But we want to direct all the glory to God in everything that we do. Absolutely. We might be doing some good things, but I want you to know it is God doing it through us. You should have known the old me. I'm glad he's dead. There is a new me. And the new me is trusting in Jesus. But in order for us to accurately see the truths of God in Isaiah, we must know the gospel of Jesus. We must know this gospel, that there is one God, there is one Creator, there is the Lord Almighty. And we, just like Israel has, had done, we have rebelled against this holy God. But you know what God has done for us? Just like He did for them, He's given us a covenant with Himself that is based on the work of His Son, Jesus. It is what He has done for us. And it is only by God's grace that we can be redeemed in order to become a servant of God. It is only by His grace that He can take this rebellious heart that will just melt at the love that God has shown for us and just yearn and desire with all of our being to give that love that we have to others. What a weight that is lifted off of our shoulders 
when after staring at the failures of our life, we can look at the success of Jesus Christ and know that it is finished. He has saved us. Isaiah points to the greatness of who God is. And the greatness of who God is is manifested in His Son, Jesus. Isaiah sees two options for Israel. He points it to them in the first five chapters. He says, guys, listen. You can either be a rebel against God, and by the way, this God has patiently loved you, or you can be a servant of God. And that question goes for us today. So the question is this. Will we be a rebel against this God who is patiently loving us, who has endured our rebellion, who has endured our mocking, our doubt, but has mercifully offered forgiveness through His Son? Will we rebel against Him? Or will we choose to be a servant of God and submit our lives to this good and loving Father, knowing that He desires what is ultimately good for every one of us? This is a daily decision that we must make. My prayer is as we celebrate this second anniversary of Connection Church that we think forward another two years, another ten years. And let's pray together that we would become the greatest servants of God that this city has ever seen that the people of Connection Church would be known to be humble, loving of all people, and hopeful. As Christians, we, um, above all people, should have hope. And I pray that as we are living humbly and lovingly and hopefully, that we will glorify God And that others, like Jesus said, will see the love within this family and glorify God as we seek what's good for our neighborhood and what's good for our church. Will we be rebellious or will we be known as servants of God? It's my prayer that we would choose the latter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we praise you. We praise You that You, Jesus, who had an opportunity to rebel, who had many times He could have turned around and and said, you know what, this is too hard. This cup is too much for me to bear and I'm going to stop. Yet You didn't. We praise You that in Your temptations You chose to remain. We praise You that You are the one on whom our covenant is built. We praise You that when we confess faith in You, it's not an idea, it's not a new way of thinking, but we are placing our faith in the Son of God who became man, who humbled Himself and loved this world and showed that love by dying a death that we deserve and by being raised victoriously and giving life to all those who So, Father, I pray that you would help us believe today, that you would give us the spirit of faith, that you would give us a desire to trust you and to, to have hope in you, that we would see you in your majesty and know that whatever you say you will do, you will do. And we will trust you for great things going forward and that we would receive this, 
the, the grace that you've given to us and the love you've given to us and go out and generously give it to everyone in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, one of the fantastic things about being a human is the ability that God has given us, the innate ability to appreciate things. What's really cool about art and how objective it is is that what makes art appreciative, what makes you be able to appreciate something is when you look at it and it invokes some sort of passion inside of your heart. Some art is beautiful. Some art is offensive. Some art makes you smile. Some art makes you cry. But all of it invites you to respond in some way. And the beauty of the Almighty Creator is that He has not simply revealed Himself to us and invited us to respond like you do at a museum when you're standing in front of the Mona Lisa. But He has invited you to respond by coming and partaking of the beauty that you behold. He invites you to hear this message of hope. This concept that may sound offensive to some, but when put into perspective, we can see clearly that the true way to joy and happiness is not rebellion, but servanthood. And so tonight, just as art calls for a response, God is calling you to respond to this message that has just been delivered, to his word. And we have a very special opportunity to respond specifically tonight. As we will be taking communion in a moment, you can come to the front and you can respond in a couple of different ways. Number one is respond by partaking of the body and the blood of Christ, which I'll describe in a minute. But also, uh, you may notice there are pads up here at the front. You may need to respond by coming and falling on your knees as the song said that we sang a moment ago and saying, God, I have been a rebel without a cause for too long and I want to choose to be a servant. Thank you for adopting me into your family. I've been rebellious in my relationship or in my workplace. I've been rebellious in my mind with my desires. I've been selfish. You are calling me to be selfless. So I invite you to respond like that. I'll be standing over here in the corner if you would like to respond by asking someone to pray over you. I would love to do that. But just as art calls for your response, God calls you tonight. So would you respond as God is calling you in a moment? In communion, you can come to the front and you can participate in the most servantly thing anyone has ever done. Jesus had a choice before him and the Bible describes what he did like this. Um, Jesus in the garden gets on his knees and prays and he says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, my will but yours be done. He had the choice to rebel 
And he begged of the Father to remove this cup of dying on the cross. God said, it is my will. So Jesus humbled himself as a servant and he died on the cross. And tonight you have the opportunity to partake of that. There will be a plate of bread and two cups. One has wine and one has juice. You can come to the front and take a piece of bread and it will be spoken to you. This is Christ's body, which has been broken for you. You can step to the cup and and dip your bread in the cup of your choice, and it will be spoken to you. This is Christ's blood, which was poured out for you as a new covenant. A covenant like a father with a child that will never be broken. So tonight, the question isn't, How is God calling you to respond? The question is, will you respond to how God is calling you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have loved us in unimaginable ways. We stand, we sit before you now, and inside of our heart, we know that what we behold is glorious and terrible. It is beautiful. It is epic and legendary. It is inconceivable. Yet you have come to pull us in so that we may no longer stand and behold it, but that we would come in and receive it and become a part of it. Thank you for that call in our lives. Would we respond tonight as you have called us? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing? And as God has called you, you come and respond.